Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest team building podcast. All right, everybody, welcome to the today's version of the Team Building Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Cuny. Um, you are in for a treat today. We have an amazing guest. I spent a little bit of time before the call getting to know her, and she's amazing. So I'm uh, more, or I am as, if not more, excited to hear a little bit more from her than you guys are because um, she has an amazing story. She reminds me of a uh, maybe slightly more successful version of Jeff. I really Uh-oh. hope he listens to this podcast today. <laughs> right? So um, what I want to do is, is I'm going to introduce her name is Jess Luvanel. Did I say Lunavelle. it right, Jess? Luvanel. I see. And you I only so practice. It was good I know. Luvanel. Yes. Perfect, Jess. And Jess, um, I'm going to hand it over to you here. We're going to ask you a few questions about where you, where you live yeah. now where you yeah. came from, where you started, right? Everything. Um, I just want to remind everybody here that we do have, um, ERS is putting on a team building workshop and we're putting it on in Omaha, Nebraska. And it's going to be September 19th and September 20th. September 19th is going to be the investor workshop. Uh, Clint Bartlett from Dynamic Properties and Jeff Cohn, the man, the myth, the legend are going to speak all day long on on Monday, all about how to invest in um in real estate properties. The next day is going to be a little bit more of Jeff. And then uh, myself and Logan are going to be speaking on how to build a scalable and profitable, right? Because it doesn't matter if it's scalable, if it's not profitable, uh, real estate team. Okay. And so it's two days. It's great. We You get a lot of hands-on. It's us all day long for about 12 hours each day. And then we go out, take you out for dinner. It's a really, really, really good time. Um, so now getting past that, Let's jump in. Jess, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have been, I kind of have lived my whole life in the real estate industry. Okay. My mom has been an agent for 35 years. So, oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, so I grew up like in the back of the car with like, a, <laughs> with like a map book as like a yes. little kid. Uh, I remember early forms of GPS. You were the 100%. GPS. I was left, the mom. GPS. I was the GPS. That's awesome. Um, I started doing my mom's paperwork. She's terrible at paperwork around 13. <laughs> All the really good agents are. <laughs> um, and I got my license at 21. So oh, wow, okay. I, I started young. Uh, I sold real estate in the greater Toronto area for 14 years. I built myself. I built a multi seven figure lean team. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of was sort of living the real estate dream. Right. I, I had a, you know, we were highly leveraged. We were extremely profitable. We were having a great time. Um, and I had a bit of an existential crisis in my early thirties. So okay. I go just, on, I just had this, like, <laughs> I mean, maybe I wasn't, it wasn't early thirties. I mean, I'm, I'm getting old, I'm getting up there, but I, I had a, I had just this moment where I was like, I'm still, I'm doing the wrong thing. I'm serving the wrong people. This isn't what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I think it was because I got into the business so young. I'd been sure. in it for for long enough to, to realize that I'd kind of fallen into it. It was, I, I don't think that I'd ever actually like really made the choice of like, I would like to sell real estate for my life. Um, but I built this incredible monster 
Right. right? And, mm-hmm. and it was, and it was, you know, I had, I was, I was living the dream when I told my mom, I was going to stop selling the look on her face was like, my daughter has lost her mind. <laughs> and so I, yeah, I mean, it was a, my husband too was like the panic in his eyes at first. Like we've built our entire lives over like the income. Like, I think he thought like, oh, she's going to go and do something else and we're not going to have any money. Um, right. So I, but I made the transition and I started selling. So I started building what is now the listings lab. Okay. And we're, we've been around for about five years. We've had several thousand agents come through our programs. What we really focus on now is building seven figure teams with freedom. So the with freedom part is really important. I wrote a book recently, came out in May, um, called more money, less hustle. More money, less hustle. Perfect. Yeah. Becoming the seven-figure real estate agent. So everything that I... I just feel like over the years, I've met so many incredibly burnt out agents and so many even team leaders that I'm like, so you built a team and then became your team's assistant. Yep. Right. And I'm it. like, yes. So they created their own prison here. A thousand percent. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, or they're in a situation where they have 10 agents on their team and they're still you know, producing 10 times more than anyone else on their team, right? So there's a lot of inefficiency from more traditional ways of building teams that aren't necessarily the best ways of doing it anymore. Um, I built my business 100% digitally. So digital marketing is my jam. Love it. Um, I'm actually quite introverted. So I can, I mean, I can, I can be, I can be a good time for short periods of time, but like, don't ask me to like turn it on for like seven hours at a time. I'll, I, I might die. I so, love it. Yes. So you burn hot and then we're done. <laughs> then we're done. Uh, so, so I, what I, I, I realized quite young was I needed to figure out a way that wasn't door knocking and cold caller calling and like networking and all of these things to, to build my business because it was, that wasn't going to serve me long-term. Yep. And I would very quickly energetically become the bottleneck of my business. Yes. So um, there was this brand new thing called Facebook. What? And I had this, this, it was, it was so trendy at the time, these like mini tiny computers that are like terrible for your eyes. And, but Mm -hmm. it was like 2005. I, um, I started building my business on Facebook (laughs) and I I started building relationships and talking to people and messaging people. And I used to call it prospecting for my PJs. I would sit on my couch in my pajamas with like a cat and I would just like do my thing. It was like the perfect introverted business building exercise. And it, it snowballed from there. It turned You know, so into... many agents right now just leaned in and turned the volume up. They're like, go on, you're speaking to me. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true, right? Like, and 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 I think that even if you're if you're an extroverted person, 10 years into this business, you feel a little bit more introverted than how than when you started, for sure. Because it, it does, it, it is, it can be very energetically draining having to human all day, every day. Yeah, so human all day. <laughs> I'm getting that put on a shirt. Dana, write that one down. That's happening. <laughs> right. It's a lot. It is. So, it is. Yep. So and especially, I had to and, and, and that's it. being in your, in your natural state of, right. Of being, of being high energy and very inner, having wonderful interpersonal skills. Imagine if that is not right. And it's your adaptive state. And that we see it every day. They don't know why they're burnout. They just know they're burnout. Right. And they don't realize that they've been using four times as much energy as necessary doing things that are not in their natural skill set. Exactly. And there's nothing that will exhaust you more than doing things that you don't like doing that you're not particularly great at. Right. Right. And so like, 
It's just, yes. you know, and, and, and the more you actually function and live in your zone of genius, the more energetic, I guess, like surplus you have, because the stuff that you're doing is actually giving you energy and giving you life rather than sucking you dry. So well, I and then you have to use to it on it. your personal life. You have that energy to use it, which is why you're doing all this stuff anyway. Exactly. And, and, you know, I start my book with what's called the spaghetti incident, which is basically like the, 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 when I realized initially that my business was broken. Okay. Um, it was when I first, my, I don't even know if we were married at the, we were married. We'd like just gotten married and, um, we're in this fancy restaurant. It's date night. Um, it's, I'm supposed to be there and present. Um, I, my Apple watch is going, my first generation Apple watch is going nuts. Mm -hmm. And my phone is like sitting next to me on the table and without even thinking about it, it wasn't even a conscious decision. I spit the spaghetti out of my mouth into my napkin and I answered the phone and got it from the table. And when I came back, I looked at my husband's face and I was like, I'm going to lose him. Mm. And real. It became real. It became real. And I I completely changed the model of my business. That was the beginning of like the team building side okay. of it. Okay. The it, it, to to use Tim Ferriss's terms, the eliminate, automate, outsource yep. journey. Love it. Right. So we went yep. through, we started, we we really started, and as a team, my husband and I like systematically bought my time back so that I wasn't the bottleneck of my business. The first time we hit seven figures, I did it on my own. It was just, I was a single agent. It was awful. And everybody's looking at you being like, oh my God, she's so successful. Look at these numbers. How and many I'm plaques thinking, did you get on stage? I want to die. I didn't even <laughs> go to the thing. I, I, right? I didn't want to go and like- You didn't send somebody? <laughs> no, I didn't. I was not interested. I'm like, bring it back to the office and like, yes, I'll put it, you know? It. Yep. And, and so I didn't have any extra energy to go and like try to <laughs> talk to a bunch of agents that I wasn't going to get any business mm-hmm. from. Yep. So it, it just, it, it was like, it was an awful time. Mm-hmm. And then from there, everything had to shift and everything had to be properly leveraged. So, you know, um, my well, it team, sounds I, like too, I started to grow you, my team. And you can, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but it sounds like your husband, when you said we, right, we worked on it yes. is he started yes. working with you. And obviously- yes from the spaghetti moment, you had his buy-in. He's like, absolutely. I will help you do this. Right. And that's one thing that one of the things that I always want to tell people. And when I talk to them early on, especially when they're, you know, just getting into the business, I'm like, your spouse has to buy in. Like you have to, they have to get it. They have to be on board with you because there will be resentment. Right. And there will be things where you, you will have a spaghetti moment, right? Because you're going a thousand miles an hour. So, Mm -hmm. okay. So tell us about when you then decided, okay, I've got to start leveraging, buying my time back. I got my husband on board. What were some of the first things that you did? So our digital marketing side of things was really tight and was working really well, which is why I was in the situation. And it worked faster than I thought, which is why I was in the situation I was in. So the first thing that we did was we looked through everything and figured out what could be automated. My husband is extremely resourceful. People okay. think he's incredibly techy, but he's just incredibly resourceful and can teach himself anything. So he started building out a lot of automations to reduce the amount of manual follow-up that I had to do, okay. right? So um, we, I have always been, I've always been kind of a student of human psychology, which is why our marketing had performed so well, because I actually understood how to take someone from stranger to client. Got it. Now, once all of that got automated, 
it compounded on its own. So then the next thing that I, that I needed was administrative help. Mm-hmm. And, um, and at the time I, I actually, if I was doing it again today, I probably would have done it a, a little differently. Okay. The administrative help, I probably would have, um, I would have started overseas, but at the time I wasn't even really, I don't even know if I was even really aware of like the, the possibility of using virtual assistants at the time. Right. Um, but we, I, so it was agents Mm-hmm. and administration and marketing. And my husband was the marketing support. Okay. That's really what we ended up with. I okay. never built a huge team. I really love the small, lean, highly productive team. I say to people even now, I would rather, it, like, let's say if we have 100 deals or mm-hmm. 200 deals or 500, whatever that number is, I'm going to use right. 100 because it's I, I can't math quickly in other ways. Right. Everybody so, was like, thank God she's using 100 right now. Like, like I can't, yeah. Yep. Um, and, and I don't want to look stupid. <laughs> when I mess up the math. So right. everybody's <laughs> so like, mean, never mind. She added wrong. I'm out. She doesn't. Yeah, know exactly. <laughs> I, and I wouldn't have even known. So, so we've got a hundred deals. I would rather have, you know, two people doing 50 deals each mm-hmm. than having, you know, 10 people doing 10 deals. Right. Mm-hmm. Not only from a, from an efficiency standpoint, a time and support standpoint, but also just from like a, a resources standpoint right? Like it is cheaper to run a lean team. So for me, that was always the, the the main goal is I never wanted to build something that was like, Oh my gosh, we have 20 agents, right? I Mm -hmm. I wanted something small and lean and that I could go on. I remember the first time I went on vacation and like, didn't have internet access on the vacation. As soon as we pulled into port, I flew my computer open and everything was fine. And I remember thinking, Oh, and I just sort of slowly closed the computer. Right. I was like, okay, we're good. We're going to back away. Yes. And so, and it was the best feeling in the world. So I love that. So because right now you just spoke to a lot of people because we always, we do interview a lot of team leaders who have, oh, I got 15 agents. I got 30 agents, right? Yeah. And they built these yeah. almost mini brokerages, yeah. right? That they, that they yeah. move around. So, and we talk about all the challenges and struggles and, and ways to leverage when it comes to that. But you, a lot of people listening right now, we know the average team in the United States has four agents, right? Mm-hmm. We know that. And so mm-hmm. you just spoke to a lot of people like, oh, so I can make this successful without having 20 agents. Oh, anymore, 100%. Right? And, and I don't think that they think that a lot of times, mm-hmm. right? But now, but that every system or setup comes with its struggles. And so tell yes. me how you would mitigate if, if your team is doing a hundred units and you have two agents doing 50, what happens if... Uh, Jeff always used the analogy. What happens if Andy gets hit by a bus tomorrow? How do I still, how does it still function? What happens if one of your agents decides wins the lottery, right? Or we'll do something a little more pleasant than getting hit by a bus. But (laughs) winning the lottery sounds better. There we go. Well, yeah. What was it? The last one was just a billion dollars or something. So say they win the the Powerball or whatever it is. And And they're not coming back to work. They are not. You're not even going to hear from them, right? This all of a sudden they're just gone, right? They they show up next to you in the Bahamas, which we're going to get to in a minute. But (laughs) Uh, but so tell me what happens? How do you mitigate that? Because right now, a lot of people are thinking, man, if one of my agents leaves me and they're doing 50% of my business, what do I do? Yeah. So, so how do you help thing. mitigate? Here's the things? thing. When you have a team that's that strong, mm-hmm. you will always have people who want to join the team and who are waiting for you to have space. And then if you have really great onboarding, training, standard operating procedures, really great systems, you can onboard someone and get them up to speed in a week or two. Love it. So, so you always have a bench, right? You always have a yes. bench of talent where you're kind of like, you know yep. what, maybe not right now, but I'm always going to be keeping the communication open. Yeah, 
Exactly. Love that. And, okay. and, and, you know, let's say you have two agents doing 50 deals each and your marketing is, is, is killing it. You hire someone else and that person comes on and starts with, you know, 20 deals a year. And then eventually also gets to 50 deals a year. Uh, I think I, I, it's, it's, that's why I've always been of the mind. Like I've never wanted, and I don't teach hiring part-time agents. I think that, you know, in order to have the availability of bandwidth Mm -hmm. to continue to grow without, without stretching the resources too thin. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's really important. And I also think that, you know, from an efficiency standpoint, even with the team, you know, if you have an ops manager or you have a, even an, a really, really, really great admin who essentially is operating as an ops manager, right. um, that person is going to have a much easier job managing three people than managing 20 people. Right. And so, in, you know, I, I talk to a lot of teams now that are like, oh, I have three admins. And I'm like, okay, well, let's look at the, let's look at the efficiencies. Let's do an energy audit or a task audit and see what's on everybody's plate. And then I'll look at it and I'll be like, okay, well, this entire person's job can be automated with software. So this is, here's like 40 to $50,000 that you're essentially wasting here, right? And a lot of it just comes down to money efficiency, time efficiency. And because so many of us were taught the same model Mm -hmm. um, from the same books (laughs) growing up, um, a a lot of us don't think of automation as a core piece of 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 the leverage or the scale side of the business because we were taught right from the beginning that as soon as you hit you hit bandwidth the next thing to do is to hire and we don't live in that world anymore we lived in this like that in my mom's world 100% she did not have technology she didn't have the ability like zapier she didn't know what that was but <laughs> right to this day, she doesn't know what that is. Hey, you know so, what, though? You know that a lot of agents listening to this podcast right now just said, how do they spell that? And they're Googling it, right? They're like, mm. right? You just blew somebody's it's mind. your best friend. your best friend. <laughs> yes, it, it is. change your life. Absolutely. And, and so a lot of it just really comes down to efficiency. And there's a lot of not only time inefficient teams out there, but also financially inefficient teams. And there's a lot of people out there who don't think that they can afford to do things that they can because they haven't gone about it or they're not thinking about it from a different angle. So what that, and I, I love that. That's I'm, I'm so happy that you brought that up. I love that point that you made. And obviously not only did you just make the point because you read it in a book, you lived it, right? Yeah. You did it. And so what it makes me think of is we, we talk to a lot of people across the country, just like I'm sure you do. And they say things yeah. like, oh, I need marketing now because I'm ready to grow. So they hire a $75,000 a year marketing person yeah. and they yeah. have three agents and themselves. Yeah. And then they hire a transaction coordinator for another 50,000. And yeah. that transaction coordinator is handling 75 deals. And you know what I mean? And they hire these full-time positions for these part-time roles. And I, and, and I always say to them, I'm like, you've got to stop. I go, why don't you find a, a talented person right? That can do multiple things, create the position around the talent instead of trying to cram this one talented person into Into, this one role, yeah, whatever that role may be. And I think a lot of the time what ends up happening too, is you have one talented person and you stretch that person so thin because you're trying not to spend more money and then you end up losing this incredibly talented person who really could eventually have become your integrator or become the ops manager and could have run your business while you come and live with me in the Bahamas. (laughs) Right, exactly. And you wasted their talent because you just had them doing five things 
okay, then one thing amazing. And that one thing could have led to your growth. Yes. And the one thing I do want to go back on is when you were talking about what happens if I lose, you know, we, one of my agents or 50% of my business, a lot of agents and team leaders think that they are business owners, but they Mm. still think like agents. Salespeople. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And if you are a true business owner, right? If I'm selling a hundred units and that makes me X amount of dollars, guess how much that person spends X amount of dollars. Right. And so when you think (laughs) about it, you're like, well, how much money are you going to spend next year? I don't know. Tell me how many units I'm doing and that'll be the amount. Right. And so they don't think about it as, well, if I'm selling a hundred units and I got two agents doing it, one agent pays my bills and one agent, you know what I mean? Goes into whatever, right. Reserve. But My biggest pet peeve in real estate in general is, and I say this on, I've said this in so many, in so, so many times and agents look at me with like this deer in headlights. Look, where I'll say your commissions, your, your, your GCI every year mm-hmm. is not your income. Yep. That is your business revenue. Yes. And, and they don't know. They don't, they like, they, and like, that's one of my, one of the most frustrating things for me about, you know, the way that licensing works just mm-hmm. in general is that people are taught not how they're taught how to not get sued, but they're never actually taught how to how to actually run a real business or even to set themselves up initially so that they're they're protected or how to even think like a business owner. Mm-hmm. And how, yeah. I was gonna Go say how it. many teams have you have you coached yourself where you have an agent with or a team leader who's a rainmaker, right? They're crushing it, doing a bunch mm-hmm. of deals, running, running around with, you know, 60 hours a week and 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 uh, leaving their their loved one at the dinner table alone while they yep. go answer the phone. And then they have five agents and they're doing a bunch of business. And you realize that the amount of money that those five agents are making them is costing them in the end money. It costs me oh. more to equip, train, hold accountable, everything else. Right. And they would make more money if they were just a solo agent. I see but it all they the time. Can't, they cannot give up the fact that they get to go on stage and be in the top 10 for some award of a thing. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. all of this kind of stuff. And it's like, and so we start asking different questions. And I want to say, I don't care about your GCI. I don't care about how many units you did. What was your profit? Were you able to profit what you needed mm-hmm. to? And it's we, not about we, how much money you make, it's about how much money you keep. Thank you. Yes, a hundred percent. And and we would sit back there and it's and we'd have a person, oh yeah, I, I sold a hundred and ten units last year and there were three of us, right? But they profited a lot of money. Then you talk yeah. to somebody else, like I have 32 agents and we did, you know, X hundred millions of dollars in production. And yeah, right. Profited half of what that three-person team did. Yeah, hundred percent. Because they're and, just and- running this machine. Right. That they don't even understand how it works. So I have a coach who I've worked with for a long time. He's a, he's a great friend of mine. And mm-hmm. he uses the analogy of you have two accounts. You have your ego account and you have your bank account and you cannot fill both at the same time. So <laughs> yeah. every decision you make and everything that you do will fill either your ego account or your bank account and you get to choose. I love it. And so I think so many people, especially in the real estate space, fill their ego account before anything else. I had a, an agent in one of my programs who I was looking at his budgets. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the hell is this? And she's like, he's like, it's a billboard. And I was like, how much do you generate from that billboard every year? And he's like, well, I mean, it's brand awareness. And it's, you know, and I was like, no, this is 100% an ego move. Yep. Right? Yep. People, and, and this isn't even an ego move for your other 
for, for your clients or for prospects. This is an ego move within the real estate industry. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It is. And I was my favorite question to ask somebody when you can tell, because we have to go to all these conferences and stuff too, and somebody and they want to flex and you're just introducing yourself to somebody. And I'd rather hear what somebody does on the weekends when they're not working, right? Those are the kinds of conversations I want to have now. But you can tell when somebody wants to flex on you. And I say, that's awesome. I go, so tell me what is, what is, uh, what are you worth per hour based on the activities that you do? hundred percent. They never know. And I'm like, Oh my God, just think how much more time you could buy back if you actually knew what you were worth per activity. And they don't, well, and not and I, only you do and I they, are speaking the same language. Not only do they not know it, but then I know they're not teaching their agents to do that, no. right? And that is where that, and you know that agents, we know those agents, right? We call it burnout. And I feel so bad. I was just talking to um, a young, a new, brand new agent, a husband and wife couple that were, that joined our brokerage and they've been with us one year and they just did $10 million they hit $10 million in production. I'm like, well, that's great. But now you've got to be able, right, to think like a business owner. We're having this kind of, they're like, we know, we know, we come to your training, that kind of thing. And I said, well, here's the deal. I go, you guys have to know because new agents have all of the energy and the fire to do whatever. And it's wasted on not knowing what to do, right? Or filling someone else's ego bucket, like you said, or ego account, right? And I'm just like, oh, and that makes me so sad. It just makes me so sad because- I was that for 12 months. When I first started, I was at a brokerage. They gave me a cubicle and a phone book and they said, go get them. Just make sure that your fee check doesn't bounce, right? And I'm like, okay, go, I guess, right? And then I finally found somebody who knew what they were doing and was able to teach me the right things. And I'm like, oh, this isn't as mysterious and hard as I thought it was gonna be, right? It's not taking shots in the dark every day. Exactly, there's no reason to make this hard, but... It's, but if, if you're not taught what, where to spend that energy, right. Yeah. Whether it's in your adaptive or natural state, then, uh, then you're going to be wasting a lot of time. You're going to get burnout. Mm-hmm. And then now we know it's 19 out of 20 agents don't make it past 24 months. Well, you know? I was talking to, I was talking to someone the other day and I was looking at their like energy audit and mm-hmm. I, and I said, you know, well, this was, you know, driving a check to a, to a broker, like a deposit check. Mm-hmm. And I said, so, um, you're worth $25 an hour. And he was like, well, no. And I was like, well, you wasted. I mean, if you're worth a thousand dollars an hour, this is a Mm -hmm. seven figure agent. Like this is not like a a new agent. Yep. I said, if you're worth a thousand dollars an hour and you spent that hour doing something that a courier would have done for $25, you actually wasted it cost them $975 to Yep, and, but and they don't and think like that. As soon as I said it, he was like, "Oh!" And I was like, "So if you'd spent that hour doing uh, doing like a high leverage activity for your business, you would have made more money." Absolutely. Yep. And they, but they don't know because you know what? And I and I and I'm not saying this as a broad statement, right? No, to demonize no. anybody. Yeah. Because a lot of times they're just not taught. And then guess what? No. Even if you know it, it's still hard to do, right? All these yes. things. Yes. So uh, what what we find that they do is that they will say. If I know how much I'm worth an hour, then I have to hold myself accountable to doing those things. Yes. So there's comfort in not knowing, right? There's, there's, um, ignorance uh, is bliss. It is a hundred percent, right? It is. And it's, there's a, I can almost scapegoat it, right? Like, oh, I didn't know. Right. And so I'm okay. <laughs> and I know that I can, I can still make money and get by and all that kind of stuff. If I know why I was successful, well, crap. Now I know that I have to do that same stuff to be successful again. Right. Well, and the, and the hard question then becomes, 
would you have paid someone $25 an hour or that $25 for that hour to be able to spend that hour with your kids? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. A hundred percent of the time they would. Uh, Yes. Oh, okay. I love, okay. I could probably do like an hour long. Oh, I love this. I love it when I speak to somebody and I'm like, yep, that's a, yep. Love it. Love it. Love it. And you get like the goosebumps, you know, when yeah. people are talking, you're like, oh, I'm so glad. Okay. So tell us a little bit more about obviously everything you do is amazing, right? I'm loving everything that you're Thank saying. You. So how can people get a hold of you? And you said that it was, um, you talked about like your consulting business, but tell us like, who are you geared towards? Like who yeah. is the audience that was like, oh, that's somebody I could help. That's somebody that, that would benefit by reaching out to me. So we work with six-figure businesses, six-figure real estate agents to help them get to the seven multiple seven figures with freedom. The the with freedom part is like the most important thing. Um, I am not in the business of building a whole bunch of more burnt out agents out there. Um, (laughs) There are enough people who are already applying to do that job. (laughs) A thousand percent. And I I refuse to be part of the problem. Love it. So, um, I mean, we have two, two main programs. One of them is basically attraction marketing through digital means so that you can create the, like the marketing foundations to go from six to seven figures. And then we have our seven figure agent programs that are team and automation and um, basically anything that you need in order to get to the seven multiple seven figure businesses by working like four hours a day. So a lot of it comes down to, and, and the reason why I've done this is, you know, I, and I feel so passionately about this is At the end of our lives, and I'm going to get a little heavy for a second, but at the end of our lives, the number one regret that people have is that they work too much. And, you know, I think that real estate is the worst for that because we lose sight of the fact that we get to do this whole life thing one time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you should be using real estate as the vehicle to what it is that you want to do in your life. No, no, not, I can't, there's not a single person who is listening to this right now who believes truly that they were put on this planet and it is their like mission in life to sell real estate, right? Real estate is the means for you to live the lifestyle and to have the freedom that you want to have. That's why you got into the business in the first place. So it doesn't matter how service-driven and how impact-driven you are. Yes, you're going to help people along the way, but... Mm -hmm. A lot of this really just comes down to, I don't want a whole, I, I don't want to be responsible for a whole bunch of people at the end of their lives th- saying, you know, I really wish that I'd done things differently. I love that. Have you ever, have you ever read the book, uh, Five Regrets of the Dying? No. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm writing it down. There you go. Okay. Yes. So I'm going to be reading your book and then you're going to okay. read this book. Okay. And it is, um, it, it goes through, uh, it's a, a hospice nurse. And, I, you know, it's, I've read an article about that. Okay. There you go. Not, so, you know, yes. Yeah. It's a hospice nurse and they interviewed her because she's obviously spending their, you know, the last yeah. moments with a lot yeah. of people. And she said, it always comes down to these five things are their biggest regrets. And I'm not going to spoil it. I'm going to make you guys get the book. Yeah. So, um, right. And it's amazing. And you, and you get it and it really reshapes, right. Why you're doing what you're you doing. Can't on a daily basis. You can't yep. I, exactly. Yes. It's one of those things. It's, it is a spaghetti meal, right? When you yep. read that book, you will have another spaghetti meal incident yep. and then that's what will happen. Jess, I love this. This was awesome. How, uh, give me, give me a website, email. How can people reach out to you to find out more? Yeah. So our website is the listingslab.com. Okay. Um, and I have a Facebook group that has about 28,000 oh. only agents. There's no random like blenders no or anything in there. <laughs> like just, it's just agents. It's 100% value. It's called okay. the listings lab method for real estate agents. Okay. 
for, and that's on we, Facebook, right? It's on Facebook. I yep. put there, there's new trainings in there every day. Love it. That is awesome. Jess, I really appreciate you taking the time while you're in sunny, beautiful. We didn't even say that. You now have moved from Toronto. I have. And you have built a life, right? To live. Yes. You have used real estate as the vehicle to live the life of your dreams. And mm-hmm. now you are living full time in the Bahamas. I am. Yes. So guess what? If you actually want to learn from someone who is doing it and has done it, right? This is the person that you reach out to. That's always one of Jeff's biggest pet peeves is he's got people up there teaching and they have either never done it or haven't done it in 40 years, right? (laughs) And so he's always like, he goes, oh, that's so frustrating. But all right, Jess, I really appreciate your time. I really enjoyed today's, uh, today's podcast and I hope everybody else did as well. Guys, remember, if you enjoyed this interview with Jeff, please make sure that you are with Jess. Please make sure that you guys um, download the podcast, give us a five-star review. Uh, I know that Jess's episode was definitely worth it because she was amazing to listen to. And I hope, uh, Jess, it was great speaking with you. And I hope everybody goes to your website and checks it out. And I mm-hmm. hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast and we get to see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.